Well, what can we tell you today? There's been very little news, and what there was didn't really pack any punches, so markets are again split between recovery expectations versus COVID concerns. Nothing new there, so let's be honest, it's been a fairly quiet day. It's also midsummer in the Northern Hemisphere, so trading is thinner anyway. It's Friday, the 13th of August 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a small move up in the US dollar, but a big move down in the Aussie dollar. It's lost half a percent this morning. Same with the pound, although the euro has stayed uh, pretty steady. The Kiwi dollar is down 0.6%, though. Stocks have shifted in the US today. The Dow is down just a little tiny bit. Uh, The Nasdaq, which had a bad week, is back on the rise. It's up a third of a percent. And the S&P 500 also up a quarter percent, but uh, which is enough to get it to another new high, just as the ASX hit a new record yesterday after a very moderate rise, less than 0.1%, 0.1%, but it was enough. Uh, whilst the Eurostoxx 50 has gained half a percent, the FTSE 100 lost 0.4%. And another three basis points added to 10-year treasuries in the US and to 10-year gilts in the UK as well. Little movement in oil, or most commodities in fact. Silver's down 1.4%. That's about the worst of it. Uh, but generally a pretty quiet day. Uh, what will we talk about? Well, we'll find something. Gavin Friend is here from NAB in London. Uh, I mean, it's the same story, isn't it, really, Gavin? We've got uh, a faster recovery versus more closing down and a slower recovery. It's central banks versus COVID infections rising. I mean, we are being pulled in two directions. So it makes sense if we're, you know, two forces pulling in opposite directions. It makes sense that nothing moves very much in the middle. Yeah, morning, Phil. I, I would also add to that we are at that point in the month where, you know, we've done all the central bank stuff. We've had all the big economic reports, really. And it's the northern hemisphere uh, holiday season and you can tell by the lack of liquidity that there's just not an awful lot going on um, and and I would say that you know when European markets opened uh, took over from Asia earlier Thursday and learnt that China was widening its regulatory dragnet to include insurance technology firms and thereby adding to the restrictions on gaming companies, e-commerce, what ride-hailing, education, you might have been forgiven for thinking on a quiet day with no major economic releases, no central bank speakers, this might be a a more dominant downward force on equities. But uh, as you've just announced, Europe's closed up um, around half a percent um, with the Eurostox 300 hitting another new all-time high. up 19% now, um, year to Just date. On, on the China thing, I mean, it was a five-year plan, wasn't it, that they were they were announcing. So it was covering everything. It was, you know, looking at monopolies, natural resources, labour security, uh, saying they were going to have stronger law enforcement for the regulations they're going to introduce, uh, you know, which, which it, it was wide-ranging, but it's five years. So maybe the markets were looking at that and going, oh, there's plenty of time to worry about that. Yeah, I think that's possibly right. I mean, the uh, Communist Party has a deeper ambition in redesigning uh, the industry to sort of sharpen its focus, its technological edge, as well as making things is benefit, boosting competition and benefiting um, you know consumers and the like. So yeah, I think you're right. There are broader ambitions here. Yeah, and some of those, um, some of those very noble aims. You know, can't. Uh can't complain about more competition and looking after the consumer, can you? What about yields then? Because we had, because we've got, you know, you talked about how we're seeing this slow move up in, in equities, but we're also seeing uh, yields higher in bonds. We had a, a, a big auction overnight, two billion of uh, one to seven and a half year in, uh, inflation protected securities, uh, which uh, had a higher, you know, offer to cover ratio than uh, than last time. We saw a similar story yesterday as well. So there's still an appetite for bonds, even as we see the share market continually hitting new highs. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? We saw after that uh, slightly weaker um, CPI report on Wednesday where, you know, we've got some tentative evidence that things are rolling over a little bit if they're still elevated. You know, that, that pushed yields down on the day. And yet today, longer term yields are back up to where they were. So US 10s went from 137 to uh, 130. They're back up at 137. But the shorter end, uh, the two year, or if you look at uh, DEC 2022 OIS, they've kind of held the pullback in yields, still elevated re- relative to where it was two or three weeks ago after the dovish power speech, but um, they've held those. So, I mean, you know, in trying to kind of work through what's going there, you know, you, you, we, we continue to get um, a diet of, you know, more hawkish Fed speak. We haven't had anything uh, to Thursday, but uh, that's been, that's been you know, the flavour this week. But then remember, again, on Wednesday, we had that very thoughtful speech from uh, Atlanta Fed President Raphael Bostic, where he talked about the importance of the maximum employment part of the goal. Very long speech. And, and that kind of pushes him more in line with Chair Powell and Governor Brainard. But but it, it leaves us with a question. Why then did he say on Monday that he saw himself in the uh, 2022 rate liftoff camp? Because that doesn't fit easily with somebody that wants to run the economy hot and wants to give... You know, as long as inflation rolls over and is well behaved at, you know, around target or so or just above target in a year's time, he would like to give the labour market chance and create more jobs. There's a there's a there's a there's an there's an uneasy situation going on there that, that can't be squared. Perhaps markets might learn something from that, we hope, from mm. the upcoming Jackson Hole uh, Fed uh, symposium. You know, we, we wait to see. Well, we had the uh, weekly jobless claims overnight, of course, for the United States for last week week. It was a bit down on the week before, so that was obviously a good thing. Less claims and uh, pretty much where it was expected to be. 375,000 new claims. Continuing claims also down a bit. Uh, so Not big enough uh, to shift the markets in any way. Similarly, we also saw PPI up a little. 6.2% up year on year. Core PPI up 6.1% or 0.9% month on month. More than was expected, but uh, still didn't excite the markets, did it? No, I think that's right. But you could say that the continuation of the downtrend in the weaker jobs claims is obviously no hindrance for a positive market uh, sort of uh, reaction. Um, it also underpins, you know, the sort of support for steady improvement in the US labour market, you know, obviously led by last Friday's non-farm payroll boost. And that's obviously adding to the taper talk. On the uh, the PPI, I mean, you're right. They were these were this, this was a punchy release. Um, you know, the headline, the core on the month, the annual uh, PPI, and the annual core all you know six tenths or more, half half a percentage point above expectations. I mean, this just goes to show the pressure coming from the supply side. We know this. Investors are, very, are well aware of this. Um, and for those that, you know, don't have pricing power, you know, like the hotels or new cars, there's obviously a margin squeeze going on. Um, for, market, for markets, though, I think it's, it's clearly it's CPI and core PCE that counts. Yeah. And, uh, and, and as we saw from CPI, things are starting, are tentatively rolling over a bit. And I guess the other reason why people aren't getting too excited is because behind it all, we've still got the, uh, the COVID news, uh, which is not great in the United States. I mean, some southern states seeing hospitalizations at or close to all-time highs. So there's that as well, isn't there? The, uh, let's look at the UK. Another figure that was pretty close to what was expected, the, uh, the, the GDP number, the three-month average, uh, better than the figure in May. 
day, uh, but obviously it was going to be, wasn't it? Because more was open. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty punchy, uh, pretty punchy number there. Nearly five percent on Q on Q, uh, and the June number for the month was up one percent, uh, marginally above the consensus. It, you know, the quarterly number actually would have been above consensus were it not for a, um, a slight downward revision to Q one numbers. Um, it looks like it was all about uh, diners and doctors. Um, you know, there was. The, the reopening up that you talk about obviously saw people go off to restaurants and things, the hospitality sector doing doing pretty well. And people uh, flocked back to see their GP, um, presumably for non-COVID related stuff. And that um, that was a, that led to a, a, a chunky, uh, almost almost half the, the one percent monthly gain came from the health sector. Um, so, you know, there's some, there's some stuff going on there. The not so encouraging news is that um, business investment, um, although it's picking up, is still 15% or so below its pre-COVID levels. You really want to see that picking up. And, you know, we, we, if we look at the UK growth on a levels basis, it's still 4.5% nearly below pre-pandemic levels, Q4 2019, uh, which is below what's going on in Europe. We know from the US GDP numbers two weeks ago that they are back now, they're now back above their pre-pandemic levels. So that just tells you why, in a sense, the rebound is so so large and while we have these big you know the bank of england is looking for seven and a quarter percent growth this year because the downtrend in 2020 was so deep you know it was it was such deep whether that's measurement problems because we know the uk is measuring certain certain numbers at sectors like education and healthcare differently from europe remains to be seen but um you know as things stand on the numbers we get um it's a big v for the uk a big v a big down and a big up the other way yeah yeah and is it going to make it all the way up to the top again is the question isn't it look the uh, the aussie and the kiwi dollar both underperformed the covid news obviously is getting worse in australia more lockdowns rising numbers canberra now uh, a snap lockdown we had 345 cases in new south wales yesterday uh that sort of explains i guess part of the the, the, the weakness in the aussie as well as a bit of strength in the in the in the u.s dollar but why the weakness in the kiwi dollars it's down more than the aussie is today yeah i mean i wouldn't want to overplay this I and mean, i think there's certainly you know the high beta currencies tend to as we know suffer more in risk off when we've got these worries around china uh, and around em uh, and around whether that's covid related or growth related lockdown related i mean you look at sterling aussie on the day actually the, the australian dollar has done better but you're right overall um, over the last few weeks, both the Aussie and the Kiwi have been lagging against the euro and against, especially against sterling, um, which I think, as I say, just reflects that kind of um, broader concern about what's going on with COVID and how the economy, although as the RBA would, would like to say, you know, it will bounce back you know, rapidly, more rapidly than it had previously thought. You've got to go through the bad news first. You've got to get vaccinated first, yeah. And they, those house prices in New Zealand, phenomenal. 30.6% the figures yesterday uh, for annual growth. Food prices uh, still rising as well, pushing up inflation. So no wonder the RBNZ is, is, uh, is pretty eager to get a bend on with numbers like that. 
Yeah, that was uh, a new record, um, mm. 30.6%, um, yeah. which, which brings us focus around to today's manufacturing PMI. I mean, it's it's sitting at a very strong 607 on June. You know, it's likely to be a strong number. Yeah. All right, we also get uh, the uh, – it is it is very quiet today numbers-wise. Uh, quiet end to a busy week. We get the University of Michigan Consumer Confidence Index as well. Now, what's going to be interesting is their inflation expectations, isn't it? Yeah, of course. I mean, it, that seems to have taken over from the headline at the moment um it's going to be interesting to see whether that mirrors what's going on uh, with the cpi i suspect that uh, that might delay that might be running be running a little bit behind um perhaps that's one for next month but uh, certainly that will be the focus okay short but sweet we'll leave it there thanks for your time gavin cheers phil and that's it that's the morning call for this morning and for this week have a great weekend i'm sure you're not going anywhere i'll be here on monday morning for another edition of the morning calls i'm phil dobby for nab see you then